<laughs> the crazy part, my boyfriend keeps going back and ordering eggs and getting into fist fights with the same cook. <laughs> <laughs> and she's there's she one got, part where she's she like, what the I record is? This no, she, there's, there's one part where she's like, I've suggested we go to a different restaurant, even a different waffle house, and he refuses. Like he he must go to that specific waffle house they're just like to the, fist fight the cook. They're like Peter and the chicken from Family Guy. I mean, and it, it's really fun. when you think about it, it is funny. Just imagine being in Waffle House and being like, "Hey, man, these eggs are not right. I ordered over easy, and they're like well done." And then he's like, "Okay, I got you, bro," and he brings you scrambled eggs. <laughs> and then we'll he brings one that. part where she's like, he brings him a piece of toast with a hole cut in it, and like a a, a hard boiled egg in the middle, like <laughs> like it just keeps escalating how ridiculous it is. Oh my god! He just gives him like a, a chicken, like not even an that egg. That would be so funny if he did that. <laughs> just a just a chicken. Welcome to the Keep Sounding Podcast. As always, this is Brian, joined by Brad and John. Brad, how are you doing on this fine evening? I am doing great, Brian. Thank you for asking. Yeah, no problem. It really makes me feel good that you ask how I'm doing. I always want to check in, especially in these times. So It makes me feel special. <laughs> I'm glad. Um, John, how are you? I'm doing, I'm doing wonderful, Brian. Good. I'm glad. So for this particular episode, um, we have a special guest. We have Stephen Ruiz, at the Stephen Ruiz, from For the Win, USA Today, on to talk about Cam Newton. Stephen, how are you doing? I'm, I'm not doing well. You're not doing well. I, I just wanted on? to say that. To ba- I just wanted to balance things <laughs> out with the other guys. So they were doing wonderful. This is this has been realistic. We're in quarantine, guys. This podcast is not too happy. Well. So they have this funny little bit where they decide to uh, they just do a disingenuous. I'm doing great. That's been going on for weeks now. So don't worry. It's it's fine. Um, so uh, for this special edition of the Keep Sounding podcast, um, I know there are a lot of Panthers fans out there who. After the draft and everything, now that we're finally done, we know who the Panthers draft picks are. For the most part, the roster's fleshed out aside from free agents that may or may not get signed depending on how things go in the offseason they kind of just want to move on from the whole cam newton drama well guess what we don't <laughs> so our friend i brought some Steven of us on don't, here. i should say we should clarify well, that some of us don't some of us don't so i steven actually tweeted about something that said it was a specific quote tweet that said, what could you talk about for 30 minutes straight with no prep at all? And he said, how the Panthers failed Cam Newton. And that resonated with me. So I was like, hey, come on the show and talk to us about that. Um, so, okay. So, Stephen, you've got 30 minutes. Let's go. 
<laughs> and, uh, and am I the only one talking for the next 30 minutes? <laughs> yes. Yeah. We're going to sit here and come uh, another I'm going to mute my mic and start playing some video games. And yeah. The floor I'm just is going to play a uh, Ron Rivera press conference. <laughs> I don't blame you for that. Conference when you made the comment about it and teams, everyone finishing 500. I'll just play that. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> if, uh, oh, if analytics were so, if analytics were so good, that one. Yeah. Oh I, I do want to I do want to say before we go further into this, I've been watching um, recordings of my recordings on my DVR of NFL Red Zone when I have nothing else on TV to watch, and I don't know if it's like bitterness or the fact that Ron Rivera is gone. It it's like a you can see things with more clarity because you don't have any of that hope or optimism or whatever tied to him because he coach of your team. But watching some of these Panthers games and some of the decisions and some of that stuff, it's like why did we not like, why do we put up with that for so long? Like, this is really bad. Yeah. Like, uh, kicking, a, kicking a field goal just to avoid a shutout when you're yeah. down by, like, 20 points. I, I just saw that. I was watching whatever week that was where they were losing to the Falcons, like, 20 to nothing, and it was the fourth quarter, and they kicked a field goal on, like, fourth and four because it's like, all right, now we got a point. It's like, yeah, you're still down three scores. Good job. <laughs> but, hey, we didn't get shut out. We didn't get shut out. Kyle Allen played the worst quarterback game in the history of football outsiders, but <laughs> stuff like that, the, the whole Cam Newton stuff we're going to get into uh, Christian McCaffrey taking 99% of snaps as a running back. Um, the, the cringiness of announcers calling him riverboat Ron when he's done, when he does things like punt from the 35 yard line. And then yeah. he has the audacity to say, no, I'm analytical, Ron. <laughs> yes. I think you're neither of those more things. angry than anything <laughs> else he ever did. Neither analytical nor are you a gambler. Yeah. But but this is this show is about Steven. So Steven, what what would you say is your biggest like reason the Panthers failed Cam Newton? I mean, I wouldn't even put it on Ron Rivera. I think you gotta put it on the office first. They just never really built around him. I think I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, the only offensive players they drafted in the first round while he was there, was it Kelvin Benjamin, DJ Moore, and Christian McCaffrey? Yes. Yeah, something like that. And he only played one year with DJ Moore, one like a half a year healthy. Christian McCaffrey's, a, I mean, he's a great player, but he's it's still a running back in the first, in the first, uh, the top ten. And then we Kelvin Benjamin, who <laughs> was only in the league basically because Cam Newton carried him to relevance, and then right when he left him, he's I don't he's not in the league anymore, so. That didn't really turn out well either. Yeah, the re- drafting yeah. of a running back doesn't really help your quarterback all that much. Like you help your quarterback with receivers and with pass catchers and offensive linemen, which the Panthers did absolutely nothing with the offensive line while he was here. It also didn't right. help that uh, Christian McCaffrey was used, was used sparingly in his rookie year, despite literally everybody who has ever watched a football game looking at him and being like, this kid is good. That, <laughs> but that annoyed changed. me a lot. Change well, of pace behind John Stewart. He's got to earn it. We didn't see him. We didn't see Cam in like a good, a well-designed offense until 2018. And then we only got a half a year of it. So I would also say the next thing on the list is sticking with Chula for as long as he did when there was like so much evidence that he was not a, a good coach and they needed to, mo- to move on. He was just stubborn. Like he was throughout his, his tenure in Carolina. 
that kind of permeated through the whole team, though. It wasn't just Mike Shula. Just about every single coordinator or position coach we had is someone who is close personal friends with Ron Rivera. Right. Whether or not they they were worthy of the the job or not, uh, like Richard Rogers, he has been a tight ends coach, a secondary coach, a special teams coordinator. He's terrible at all of those things, but we kept him because he was literally because he was teammates with Ron Rivera at Cal. Ron Mike Shula. Go ahead, Steven. Eric, even Eric Washington, like, I don't think he should have been a defensive coordinator. Uh, they, it was evident how much Sean McDermott had an impact on that defense after he left. Like right when he left, it went downhill. Mm-hmm. It, it's pretty easy to say now in hindsight that Sean McDermott is the reason why, why Rivera even has the reputation he does as a defensive mind. Yeah, it's, it's like he was too scared to go hire like hire new people, like inter- actually interview people for jobs when coordinators got poached. It was like, all right, in this building is the closest to that job already. We'll just give him a new role. Just, I think the thing about, for me, because you touched on it, that makes me most mad about the, the, the career arc of Cam Newton so far is that he spent, what, six years with Mike Shula as his offensive coordinator. Is that how long it was? I think so. Five or six? 2013 to 2018, so about five. 2013 to 18 is, right. is yeah. six. Uh, the, not replacing Chitsky was really, I thought, was the biggest mistake of his, like in terms of hiring coaches. I mean, yeah. you can put it on him not finding a new defensive coordinator, but I thought Shula over... Uh, even the dogs matter on Rivera. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, the dog's name's Keekly, by the way. Just a little fun fact. Or one of them is. But, yes, Mike Shula, or, yeah, just replacing Rob Chudzinski, who I think was, for the most part, a pretty good offense court with Mike Shula, who, I don't know, again, I don't know how he tolerated that for as long as we did. I guess the 2015 season, right in the middle of it, where Cam Newton just kind of carried the team, really, uh, I, I guess, kind of softened how bad it was around that year pretty much but having mike shula as the majority of cam newton's career to this point as his offensive coordinator is such a disservice to not just cam newton but i think everybody panthers fans nfl fans football fans just everybody yeah, yeah and, and it also like fan base is... go ahead go ahead steven go ahead <laughs> i was gonna say fan bases are usually hard on their offensive coordinator, whether it's legitimate or not, but like national gripes about football people on Twitter. He, so it wasn't just Panthers fans. It was pretty much everyone that watches football. Every football team's fans hate their offensive coordinator. I think both corners, but especially their offensive coordinator, because it's a very, you know, every result every negative result gets remembered more than the positive results but yeah mike shula i don't think there's any defense for mike shula being a good offensive coordinator there were many games they could have won even with cam newton with half an arm in 2018 where bad play calls fucked them mm-hmm. so and <laughs> I, I agree and i think norv turner is but he's an upgrade over mike shula but i think i feel like it was upgrading from the one of the worst offensive coordinators in the league to up to a below average offensive coordinator just because just he was outdated and some of the decision-making was so predictable 
and stubborn. I think we talked about it a lot in 2019. The amount of times where we try to go heavy formation and run it up the middle on short yard situations, despite the fact that it never worked. It, things like that. And I know it was yeah. not as big. Yeah. And, and Turner was had a re- was basically forced into resigning with the Vikings like two years earlier. And yeah. back then people were saying he's out of touch. So it wasn't like, <laughs> yeah, they weren't bringing like the offense we saw with the Ravens. No. In 2018. It was just like, oh, we're going to put Christian McCaffrey and let him run a slant route. Like, yeah, you should have been doing that the whole time. Yeah, just to admit Christian McCaffrey, who got a bunch of catches and stuff. So, but like, he was used as a check down out of the backfield, and it was never really utilized as a receiver or as a weapon as much as he should have been. And it was just is it like it's it was exactly what you'd expect if you take a guy that was really good at his job twenty five years ago and give him the same job now. It's like you have yeah, your ideas are really innovative based on when you can't stale now. Yeah, part of it is that um, Rob Chudzinski brought in a lot of North Turner concepts to Carolina when he first came in. So then I guess in Ron Rivera's mind, it made sense to have Mike Shula come in and continue those. And then then they just brought in North Turner to solve the problem <laughs> rather than rather than have a new offense or try to try something new. They were just going to continue to use those concepts, which in practice might make sense, but it it just kind of proved it didn't really work long term unless Cam Newton was playing like, you know, the best player in the league, which doesn't I mean, happen you could, often. You could keep the offense somewhat consistent without just hiring another of your old buddies that hasn't done well at that job for decades. Yeah. I mean, Cam made a lot of but high the thing level is, throws. Sorry. The thing is, when they brought in Shula, he, he didn't really have the same coaching background as Chudinsky. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys remember, but like the talk around when he took over was that they were going to throw shorter passes and mm-hmm. make things easier on Cam when they were throwing up deep a lot with Chud. And I think I'm pretty sure Shula's background is in the West Coast offense. So it was a different system. They just, it's like they brought in a different guy to coach the same offense and it was predictably a mess. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, Mike, I know this is your specialty, but we don't want you to coach that. You're just here because you're, you're just, we're just giving you this job because you're already here. So it's like Mike Shula is trying. <laughs> your dad's famous because Mike Shula has also never really been successful anywhere he's gone. Um, definitely was he not could, qualified. He couldn't even that. win at Alabama. Right. Yeah, and I, I mean, think you know how how hard how hard is it to win at Alabama? And he couldn't even do it. So, um, and I think he he was in what offensive coordinator for the Buccaneers. Yes, in like the late ninety again, like these massive gaps. But yeah, two thousand or from 1996 to 1999. And then, you know, four, 15 years later, maybe he'll be better. But uh, their offense under Mike Shula was <clears throat> in yards per game was 28th, 29th, 22nd, 28th. And no finish in scoring was no better than 18th. And we're like, eh, also, you know, this guy, I think this guy's got it now. It's also pretty telling that when he went to the Giants, he wasn't allowed to call plays after he left Carolina. <laughs> that, was a very, that was a very funny decision. Yeah. Which, You're our offensive coordinator, but you don't do half your job. Mm-hmm. The part of your job that's most, you know, forward facing. <laughs> I mean, we're it. laughing at the Giants, at the Panthers with the dumb team that let them call the plays. <laughs> I know. Yes, I know. The Giants True. did the right thing and didn't let them call the plays. <laughs> yes, but the the people involved in that decision aren't here anymore, and they can't hurt us anymore. So we can we can laugh at that too. 
We've but been yeah, through let, the pain. <laughs> but yeah, letting Mike Shula call the plays was... Uh, like, could you imagine... I, I, can't, I can't escape Ron Rivera. I live in Washington, D.C., so I'm, just, <laughs> I'm near him again. I can't escape him. He's haunting me. What do you... Okay, back to the game news stuff. I want to hear what you what your expectations are for uh, Ron Rivera in Washington. Like, like he'll be better than what they've had, but not great. Right, it's a low bar. I think he <laughs> is the type of coach, in theory, that you want with a team that's rebuilding. Just because he kind of did it in Carolina, of course, he doesn't have Cam Newton, and that made his job so much easier. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if it's a disaster because. He didn't his head coaching hirings weren't that inspiring. Like he hired Jack Del Rio, which is kind of interesting to do in 2020, and then he hired Scott Turner as coach last year for the Panthers. And uh, I, I'm not proved anything. I don't didn't think he proved he was worthy of an offensive coordinator job. Yeah, no, I don't well, think he did either. I, I thought it was so funny that Washington apparently had, uh, you know, they've had the kind of the what's it called pipeline of offensive coordinators like Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan and that and apparently there was another guy there who was looked at the similar way and Ron Ray is like nope get him out of here I got to bring in old buddy Scott Turner to run the offense (laughs) oh yeah I forgot about that 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 was that's the thing like I didn't even think Washington's offense wasn't even that bad so it was a very it was another stubborn hired by Rivera to get rid of who they had in place already and bring in his own guy who doesn't really have a track record of being an offense coordinator. Yeah, it, well, it was like his last two years in Carolina, starting with when Cam's <clears throat> shoulder started to go bad on him, it, it seemed to turn into a train wreck. And then he gets hired by Washington and instead of get, using that as a chance to like start clean and bring in a new staff, he just brought every part of the train wreck in Carolina. Right. And Clearly he like, I think the work, he, the work he did with Cam Newton, I think he's the reason why he has this job. Like Washington probably looked at him and said, look what he did with this former first round pick. He made him into a star at future MVP, but that's not really what happened. If anything, he's he's the reason why Cam's not in Carolina anymore anymore because he let Cam play hurt a bunch of times. It started in 2014 when they ended up making the playoffs, but Cam was like beat up, and he I think he took like eight sacks in the Monday night game against the Eagles, and you just tell that he should not be playing anymore. And they just kept pushing him. I mean, they got a playoff win out of it, but I don't, I still don't think it was worth playing Cam Newton the rest of that season. I think that was the season he, he got in the car accident too. Yeah. Yeah. And he broke his back or no. Yeah. He like broke a bone in his back or whatever. Or was that, right. was the season where he broke a bone in his back against the Patriots the same season where he got in the car accident? I think so. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah. 2014 there, there was, is the greatest season in team history. <laughs> There's a lot of, uh, that's a pretty frequently recurring trend with the whole letting players play when they shouldn't be playing. Cause they're too hurt. Oh, you mean we like saw- this past season when uh, when Cam Newton literally couldn't run and they still <laughs> let him play against the Buccaneers? Yeah, he said he said he was fine. I mean, yeah, he couldn't run, but he said he was okay, so we thought he was okay. Yeah, Stephen, there was a bit of a tangent that one of our writers went off on about, but essentially it boiled down to that like Cam couldn't run, but he didn't really like tell anyone. 
but Ron didn't go to him and say, yo, like run a 40 yard dash for me real quick. Like just didn't do that before, <laughs> before the, the, the uh, Buccaneers game after suffering at least that we knew at the time, some kind of foot injury just didn't happen. They were just like, Oh, well he says he's fine. He's fine. No big deal. Trotted out there. That's what, happened in, that, that, that's what happened in 2014 too. Like there was quote from Gettleman and Rivera saying like, Cam's a competitor and he's not going to want to come off the field. That's exactly the point. You're going to have to like take the man and tell him <laughs> you're not playing. And he made years later, like that, that's a sign that you're a bad head coach. You don't learn from your mistakes. And I don't think Ron Rivera ever really learned from his mistakes. He started going for it on fourth and one every once in a while, but he <laughs> was still way too conservative after he burned him so many times early in his career. He always did that when his job was on the line, when like there was no other option. Like when he was safe, right. he was not going for it on fourth yeah. and one unless it was like deep in opposing territory. <clears throat> Despite having a quarterback. Do you remember that time? Like... Huh? Do you remember that time when it was like fourth and inches from like the fifty, maybe or somewhere around midfield? And I think it was it was early in the game. It was just it was like a low leverage situation. It's just a very easy, just like God, just go for it. What do you have to lose? And Cam Newton had to like. St- punt team off the field because Ron Rivera trying to punt it from the 50 on fourth and inches. Oh in like yeah. The he first had, quarter of a tie game. He had the whole offense freaking out about it. Like yeah. kicking, the, kicking the, the punting unit off the field. It was hilarious. <laughs> they had to call a timeout so they could call a play. And I'm pretty sure they picked it up. Like, wow, shocking that with Cam Newton, you can pick up a fourth and inches from midfield. Well, that's Which, the thing that always made me mad about Ron not going for it. It's not like I could understand it. If we had like Will Greer at quarterback, who's awful at quarterback sneaks or, you know, whatever, insert terrible quarterback here, you know, Mitch Trubisky or whatever. Um, Shout out to all my Bears fans there. But he had Cam Newton, like factually one of the best fourth and short quarterbacks in the history of the league, and he would still not do it. It was just so damn frustrating. (laughs) Fuck your the worst one ever goddamn was, nerds. <laughs> right. The first the worst one ever was I think 2012 against the Falcons when I think they were it was fourth and one. They could have iced the game with a first down. And then they ended up, I don't know if they punted or kicked a field goal and missed. And then that was the I think it was Roddy White and Nakamura was the safety. And oh they god. Oh, it over god. And ended up kicking <laughs> a field goal. Nakamura. <sighs> Rookie Nakamura, aka the next Ed Reed. You you all hate on Colin Jones, but remember he wasn't Haruki Nakamura. All right, just remember that. Uh, let's Steven not, knows let's about not Colin, Jones. Colin Jones. That's what I'm here for. I boost Colin Jones and I boost Brenton Burson. That is my brand. <laughs> Are you related to Jerry Richardson somehow? Uh, I'm not. <laughs> I am not, but there is a there is a conspiracy theory out there that Brenton Burson is. It's not a conspiracy theory. Allegedly. Real quick, Steven, have you have you seen that in depth? It goes deeper than just uh Brenton Burson stuck around for a long time and went to Wofford. No, I haven't seen. I oh my only thing is the Wofford thing I know about. What was it? Learn today. <laughs> well, Brian, you probably know it. Um, Jerry Richardson was neighbors with Brenton Burson's parents, 
and then they split, I think. And shortly yeah. afterwards, <laughs> I know shortly, where this is going. And shortly afterwards, she was pregnant. And by shortly afterwards, <laughs> we mean like less than a year later, Brenton Burson was born. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. it was like they split around the time that she would have. Become she would have known she was pregnant. So yeah, so people are like, oh, maybe they they split because she had it was yeah. This is I don't. This is getting out of. Uh, out of hand but yes that was the, the timing was suspicious with them being neighbors and stuff are you guys suggesting that a jeans friday went a little too far <laughs> it might yeah, have it, it might yes. have <laughs> that that there's gonna be an interesting side like tangent to just to put in the the description <laughs> of the show <laughs> i i really we talk want, about Cam Newton, I, and then we suddenly talked about a britain person conspiracy theory I want an ESPN 30 for 30 on the Britton Burst and Jerry Richardson paternity. <laughs> Even if it's just one of those like 15 minute short series that they do, I want, I want ESPN to get Jeremy Shap to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> no, you need like a Netflix true crime type documentary on it. Yeah. Panther King. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure his brother knows some things. His brother follows me on Instagram and Twitter, by the way, just so you guys know. Like Brian's biggest achievement Ooh. in his life. It, go, it puts it on his resume and everything. <laughs> I'm still Big trying to get Brenton. I'm still trying to get Brenton to follow me. I think he go, knows that I created the meme and he doesn't want to do it. <laughs> you go to Brian's LinkedIn page. He's got like a note, like followed by Brenton Burson's <laughs> brother on social media. <laughs> yep. So speaking of Brenton Burson, though. Um, that's another thing about how the Panthers failed Cam Newton. Yeah, his his uh that twenty seventeen season. Oh god. His wide the receiver. The best were... wide receiver he ever had was Steve Smith and they ran him out of town. And he was also like thirty five. Well, but he was still right. better than anybody else they had. Yeah. I and mean Steve, before Steve he got Smith, hurt like... in Baltimore, Steve Smith was still playing at a top level for that one year and then he got hurt. But I mean, we're talking about, they provided Cam Newton with Kelvin Benjamin, Devin Funches, Ted Ginn, Brenton Burson, Philly Brown, Jericho Cotteries corpse, uh, uh, Legaday, um, um, Saeed, Ajira Tutu, uh, who else have we had at wide receiver? DJ Moore doesn't really count because we drafted him two years ago. Uh, 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 Jared Boyd. He didn't make the team, though. He didn't That's make the true. team. He doesn't count. So, so uh, here, we'll, we'll go this year by year. Akeem uh, Nix. We had Akeem Nix one year. I totally forgot we had Akeem Nix for a year. So we had the Remember when ends. everyone got excited about uh, Stephen Hill? Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. Yeah. Was that the Jets guy, the guy that was drafted Yes. Yeah. Panthers fans are that excited about him. I was there. Panthers fans have a thing with wide receivers. He, he tore his ACL. That's still one of the most nightmarish things I've ever heard. Like you could hear that dude scream from like 500 yards away. It was so bad. So the Panthers had Greg Olson, you know, for all Cam Newton's time here, which it's good to have a good tight end, but his top three receive, wide receivers. <laughs> Uh, as a rookie, where Steve Smith, and preface this, a lot of teams when they draft a quarterback, 
like to surround them with weapons. Like the Bengals this year drafted Joe Burrow, and then they drafted uh, the name T Higgins, right? T Higgins, yeah. And the, yeah, so it's, it's it's and then like when the Colts drafted Andrew Luck, they drafted was that T Y Hilton in the same draft and some other stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But the Panthers. Yeah, I think Kobe Fleener is correct as well. So I'm looking. So the Panthers in 2011, what was their second pick? What was their second round pick? Oh, we traded it away. That's right. Oh, the 2011 draft, other than Cam, was an absolute shit show. Yeah, well, I was going to look and see. like No one other than Cam, and Cam isn't right now, but no other player we drafted in 2011 is still in the league. Oh, that was so we drafted Cam and then we drafted defensive tackles. Sione Fua and Terrell McLean. And then Brandon yep. Hogan. So we, this went then, straight defense. Yeah. After that. So then Cam Newton comes in as a rookie with his top three wide receivers being Steve Smith, Legadu Nane, and Brandon LaFell. He still That's, had uh, Jeremy Shockey as well. Yeah. So Jeremy Shockey. Year. Yeah. So Jeremy Shockey will give a little bit of that. But then Jeremy Shockey's gone. Um, so now he's got yeah, Steve Smith, Brandon LaFell. Like 35-year-old Jeremy Shockey. It wasn't prime Jeremy Shockey. Yeah, so we've got old Steve Smith, and then Brandon LaFell is wide receiver number two, and then Lewis Murphy was wide receiver number three in year two. I totally forgot Lewis Murphy. I did, this. too. I forgot about him. He was, like, super <laughs> promising, too, I thought. Yeah, I, I don't remember him, either. <laughs> he was fast. He was. I'm looking, and this is by targets, yeah, by the he, way. And that just tells you how desperate Panthers fans were because Lewis Murphy <laughs> got, I think he got cut by the Raiders who mm-hmm. he was kind of fast. Steve Smith, Brandon LaFell, Ted Ginn in 2013 when we had a really good team. Just, it, it, like all of the years have been passing when you know Steve Smith is aging out of the league and eventually you're going to run him out of town, and you never thought to, like, let's put somebody young that's not Brandon LaFell. Another thing about 2013, real quick, too, they only used the same, like, five skill position players the entire Mm -hmm. season. They never had, like, a a wide receiver four or five on the field. It was always the same three guys. Yeah, and the was Kelvin Benjamin. To use the wide receiver four and five. (laughs) I do. your mouth, Brad. (laughs) (laughs) I I did forget about that, too, and I... It didn't really get any better. I guess it got a little better with Norv Turner, but as long as Mike Shula was here, it was it was like the top three receivers, like receiver number four and five only played if one, two, or three were hurt. Yeah. Which, you know, I understand getting your best players on the field, but you would think to have, you know, various skill sets or fresh legs or just rotations, you know, for the morale of your team. I don't know. Something. Brandon Zilstra had 90 yards in our last game of the season. You know, just get some guys out there, see what they can do. <laughs> 2014 might be worse than, might be up there with 2017. Which yeah, is, 2014 was 2014 was pretty bad. Yeah. That's when Brent Burson really started getting snapped. That was, <laughs> that was when the meme started, my friend, because I wrote an article about how he was, I felt he was going to make the team. I got flamed by a bunch of Panthers fans because so-and-so other you know, random wide receiver from Clemson was on the team and was an undrafted free agent who was going to make it. And Brenton Burson made it, and God damn it, he stuck around. <laughs> He's a coach in the in the receivers room. Yes, got a lot of grit. I never understood why he got so much hate. I really, I mean, <laughs> you know, 
Brian's meme aside, it's not like anybody expected him to be, you know, you know, fucking Jerry Rice or anything. But and Panthers did. Well, Panthers fans he did. Couldn't yeah. even no, no, the Panthers did. No, <laughs> no. He, he fumbled the punt in the Cardinals game. It was the only reason the game was even relatively close. No, he didn't That's fumble. Why. Wasn't it, he didn't fumble the punt. He slid into it and didn't even he try slid to into catch it. And let it hit him in the face mask. Yeah, he didn't actually fumble it. <laughs> he slid. It would assume he, he had possession. He slid into the punt while holding his hands <laughs> sure, out, like, "Look, point. I'm not touching it." <laughs> but yes, like. I understand, you know, if you draft a quarterback, and especially given that they traded their second round pick the year before for what was was that? Oh, that to get Jimmy Clausen. That would have been for Armani Edwards. Is that the same draft as Jimmy Clausen? Because we drafted Jimmy Clausen the year before. Didn't it, was we, did we for, not... it was for Armani Edwards. Oh, that's yeah, right, because it was Riley Dowling. Yeah, and the thing is, they didn't know they were going to be that terrible and get no. the number one pick. And so that's what people they get mad about that trade because they use hindsight. Well, we traded the first pick in the second round. No, we didn't. We traded our second round pick. We did not know it would be number 33 overall. And if it makes anybody feel any better, the Patriots took Razai Dowling with that pick. So it's not like they took Tom Brady. Yeah. But either way, so I understand like if you can't, you know, at least in that first off season with a new quarterback, but it took them until the 2014 draft to take Kelvin Benjamin. And that's only so, because they completely gutted their wide receiver room because they had no cap space to re-sign anybody. <laughs> yeah, and then you draft Kelvin Benjamin because of the really because sound how, logic. How tall he was. <laughs> yeah, the sound logic that Cam Newton throws high, so if we just give somebody taller, he'll be more accurate. Well, I mean, Which... it's a fact that you cannot <laughs> teach 6'5", 240. Yes. It's you also, can't teach that. <laughs> I just—it's amazing to me that that was thought to be the solution. It's just like we'll just give them someone taller. Teach six five two twenty either, because yeah. Calvin Benjamin <laughs> wasn't dropping down there. No, <laughs> but why not just be like, what if we just got him somebody that could get open, and then he would have easier throws to make? They're like, no, we got to give him the tall guy. And we'll tall guy. So we have two tall, slow guys that can't get open, and we'll expect Cam Newton to be more accurate. That's and the, then blame him when he's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sound it's it's very sound. And then it took until the very end where they're like, maybe we should get people that can get open. And but then by then Cam Newton's breaking down because they're let him play through a, a, and a litany of injuries. Is is there anything, Steven, that we have not touched on yet? I was gonna just I was gonna ask Steven because he's an unbiased outside observer. Uh, did we talk Sorry? What was that? Oh, I was gonna say we didn't bring up the tie yet. Tie game. Oh <laughs> the tie. Oh shit. In fact, but if I mean, game? just just was... uh, Derek Anderson throwing an interception on that one play. Is just oh, magical. you mean that tie gate? I thought you meant yeah. the tie with the Bengals no. in 2014. Because that's, no, that's what the, I thought. Cam Newton not wearing a tie. Because... Oh yeah, Cam not wearing a tie and then not starting, and then the first play is a pick six. Yeah, oh, God. right. Ron deserved that Bengals that. game. By the way, was that was a very good performance by Cam Newton. I'm game although i don't even remember what happened at the end i remember the Bengals kicker missed a field goal 
Both kickers. I forget how the Panthers goals. blew that win. Right, that's what it was. The Bengals uh, had every chance to win the game prior to uh, the, the end of the fourth quarter as well, and they fucked it up. So it was just both a, teams did. Like both teams tried to lose and couldn't. Yeah, it was a war of a lack of attrition. <laughs> so Ron says perfect was just out there twisting ankles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Twisting Greg Olson's ankle, twisting Cam Newton's ankle. My God. So, so Ron Rivera benches Cam Newton for not wearing a tie, which I don't know. I'm not in touch with like how other teams do it. Is it common for NFL teams to have a dress code where teams or players have to wear a tie on the bus to road games or whatever it I was? I feel like we've, we would have not something I've ever heard of before or since. Yeah. Yeah, I I've either. heard people being benched for benched for more egregious things than that, <laughs> like being late or something. But where not wearing a tie seems kind of uh, trivial to me, and it, especially because he was me, dressed. He was dressed nicely. nice. I was just about to say that it's one thing if he shows up in in like a a fuck you t shirt with torn like like gym shorts or something like he looks like he just rolled out of bed but he was he was dressed nice he just didn't have on a tie and like a suit jacket or like a sport coat he was wearing a sport coat and like a sweater vest and a collared shirt i mean quite frankly he was dressed much better than he dresses now (laughs) but you know just because he wasn't wearing a necktie it's a stupid rule especially because it was like what was the situation He's benched for not wearing a tie, but where was he not wearing the tie? On the bus. Or the plane or what however they traveled. He was it was just somewhere in transit, yeah. In transit, yeah. It was either the team Mm -hmm. bus from the hotel to the to the stadium or on the plane to Seattle. I don't remember which it was, but but it was the team travel. And wasn't that a Sunday night game? Yes, it was a prime time Sunday <laughs> night game. <laughs> Waiting all day for Sunday night, and then the first thing is that Derek Anderson throws that motherfucking interception. I will tell you, it wasn't a pick six. It got returned to the eight. Okay, okay. I thought it, was it, was still, six it wasn't even really. It wasn't Anderson's fault, right? Am I remember that correctly? Tolbert you know, it hit Tolbert right in the hands and landed in the hands of the the DB. But it was just a perfect start because, funny, yeah, <laughs> it's because hilarious. Yes, in prime time, and I I can't think of a singular time this has happened where a team starting quarterback gets benched to start a game for you know an off the field reason. Especially because Cam Newton also made a comment that nobody really talks about, where he said he thought the outfit was appropriate because he's worn something like that in the past, which makes it sound like Ron Rivera just decided like you know what, enough of this, enough of this no tie having nonsense. <laughs> We're gonna make. We're gonna send a message, and put Derek Anderson in to start the game on Sunday Night Football. Like that. That'll really make your reputation look good. Against one of the best defenses in the league, in one of the hardest places to play. Yeah, in, in Seattle, and Seattle comes into the game seven three and one. Your your season is not going well. Yeah, it would have been lose. different if they were doing it like in Cincinnati last year. Yeah, like, and it, then it's one thing. And then you lose forty to seven. Yeah, <laughs> that's how you teach your franchise quarterback to wear a tie. Yeah, that... I can't remember, but I think that was one of the few times where I've written the 
the post game report in like the third quarter. And I've just said, Hey, this is over. Um, y'all have a good one. I'm going to bed. Cause it was, <laughs> it was out of hand by that point. Yeah. Trevon Boykin got snaps for the Seahawks in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Like they ran for eight yards of carry. It was, it was just, it's one of those things where you're like embarrassed to be a fan of a team. Like, Oh, I can't go out in public after this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there, I don't there, remember watching. There have been very few times game. where I felt that way, but that game was one of those times. What yeah. did you say, Steven? I said, I don't even remember watching the second half of that game. I'm pretty sure I turned it off pretty <laughs> I, early. And I don't, I don't usually turn off Panthers games. I, I don't blame you. Especially yeah. on a Sunday night where it's like, you know what? I could just go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a total waste of time. Um, and, and Panthers fans get mad now when we don't get primetime games on the schedule. They're like, well, we don't get primetime games. Well, because we do shit like that when we do. That's why we don't. We deserve to play at 1 o'clock on Sunday every week. It's where, it's where everything's safe. Yes. <laughs> Plus, I don't have to stay up till midnight. <laughs> um, I guess the last thing I want to discuss. So, obviously I'm reading the, the replies to Steven's tweet just because I'm sure we'll bring more stuff up with Ow. that. Oh, <laughs> we do. One other thing we do we didn't talk about yet was uh, Cam getting blamed for the Panthers losing the Super Bowl because he didn't dive on a fumble that the Broncos have pretty much already recovered. <laughs> Ooh, God, that play that that gif is just the bane of my existence. I've, <laughs> I know, like, me too. It. I've rewatched that Super Bowl a couple times, like the all twenty-two of it. I still maintain that Cam Newton did not play poorly. Like he didn't he play did. great. He played okay, but I thought he played fine. He was he not the worst fine. player. He was like he, he, he was the best player that, on the offense. Yeah, he yeah. couldn't help that Jonathan Stewart got hurt, and he couldn't help that Mike Tolbert fumbled the ball twice. And he had only fumbled it three times all year, if you include the Super Bowl. I mean, that's not Cam's fault. And it's also not Cam's fault that the referees got Jericho Cotteries play wrong. Or that the field was so right. horrible that Michael Ower was literally on skates at times trying to block DeMarcus Ware. Yes. Right. And God, you can, I hate you that can make the argument that none of none of Cam's turnovers, I think he ended up having three turnovers. None of them were his fault. Like the interception mm. bounced off Ted Ginn's hands, which I mean, that's a thing Ted Ginn <laughs> does, but that was in the red zone too. And then there was the drop in the red zone by, I think it was Cotri on the sideline. Yeah. And yeah right. The Mill ends up missing a field goal is just a frustrating game to watch. That was actually my first uh, week writing at for the win. And nobody knew I was a Panthers fan and they were all rooting. They were all rooting for the Broncos. And I was just sitting there like quiet. I, I was under the assumption that I was supposed to be unbiased and I couldn't like reveal that I was a Panthers fan. I was just, yeah. dying inside as they were cheering <laughs> on the Broncos. It, it really was a game of, for the Panthers during the regular season went wrong. But yeah, the two, and then you talked about the, the interception, the two fumbles were both just completely unblocked defenders, right? Yeah. I know like the one was, was the blind side. Yeah. Right after the cautionary play, which if, if the referees make the correct call and they give Cotri the catch and he's down and then 
the next play is still the fumble, they probably don't return it for a touchdown. And our defense was playing so well, I genuinely think they don't score there. They probably settle for a field goal, and it's a completely different game. How about Tony Ely having a Hall of Fame performance <laughs> in the Super Bowl and then never doing anything good again for the rest of the rest and of the getting traded game. to the Patriots so the Panthers can move up eight spots in the draft? And it turned out to be a great trade for the Panthers. Move eight spots. Yeah. I'm looking, I'm watching right now. You didn't even so, make the Patriots roster. Nope. On the on the first fumble, uh it Mike Rimmers basically just acts as a tackling dummy for I can't tell who it is. It's but Ware, isn't it? It might be. No, it's Miller. Or is it Vaughn Miller? Vaughn, yeah, Miller, Vaughn Miller forced Miller. it and didn't didn't Demarcus Ware recover it? Yeah, but basically uh Mike Rimmers does almost nothing Malik, to slow down. Malik Jackson might have been. Or is it Malik Jackson? Okay, yeah. I, I've honestly I've drank that game away. Um <laughs> but yeah, Mike Rimmers lets <laughs> Von Miller basically go uncontested into the backfield and he rips the ball away from from Cam Newton and he gets recovered for a touchdown. Um, the interception goes off Ted Ginn's hands and gets intercepted. And then yeah, I know Mike Colbert fumbled one. He fumbled yeah, twice. I, was, I, I think, think we recovered him. one of them. Yeah, because that was, I, those are his only fumbles midfield. Yeah, those are his only two fumbles as a Panther in his Panthers career. Yeah, he waited to the right perfect time to do it. And then the other fumble, the other fumble was Mike Rimmers got beat again, and Cam just got a hit out of his hand as he was throwing it. That was late in the game, right? It was four minutes left. Yeah, yeah, the Panthers yeah. That was, that, that, that was when they were trying to make the comeback. Yeah, that pretty much sealed it. And uh, people like to show the 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 gif of him like backing off of the fumble. Um, when he starts to step away, Demarcus Ware has his hand like completely on the ball. Yeah. Like it's not like Offer. the ball was sitting right. there, and he's like, "Oh no, go! Uh, don't don't get hurt! Don't get hurt!" And is it Rembrandt that almost gets it away from him? I, it's one of the linemen, but I, that guy had a way better shot of recovering the ball than Cam did. I, I think him backing off of the the ball actually gave Panthers the best chance of of recovering the fumble. Moved down for it, and then it got knocked away and hit the ref, and uh, got recovered on the five yard line. Here's how here's how dumb I was. After the NFC Championship game, I remember being disappointed because I thought the Super Bowl was going to be a blowout because this was after the Broncos <laughs> had already won. And if you remember at the time, like the Broncos were pretty much like limping into the Super Bowl. They beat yeah. a Steelers team that where everyone was hurt. They the only reason they beat the Patriots because the Patriots couldn't block them. I just thought it was going to be a blowout for the Panthers and anticlimactic and. Little did I know they embarrassed themselves in front of me. I still maintain to this day that if New England found a way to win the AFC championship game, it would have been a blowout. I think we would have beaten the shit out of New England. Oh, without a doubt. Bill Belichick does not defend Cam Newton well. Yeah, and uh, Wade Phillips seems to be the only coordinator who knows how to just completely neutralize Cam. And yeah, it's we called just beat the have... shit out of him every chance you get. That's yeah, his, that's a strategy. Yeah, we just happened to to face the wrong team in the in the Super Bowl. If New England would have we if New England would have played instead of Denver, we would have won. We also didn't really have the coaching staff to uh, really counter two weeks worth of game planning from a really good defensive coordinator. 
What do you mean counter? <laughs> what does what does that word mean? What does that mean? I thought we just we tell them what we're gonna do and we just do it. <laughs> we got, we got our will. game plan. Yeah, we got our game plan out there and what we stick with from start to finish. Because the Broncos basically just want like manned up everybody and blitzed every play. And I think what you really should have done is try to run like you probably just like run Cam more. Yeah. Yeah, what they I think what they did was they would they had a linebacker watching the running backs. The running backs stayed in, they'd blitz, and if they went out, they'd follow yeah, them like, out there. I don't know why they didn't adjust because that's what they were doing all year. They were keeping in a bunch of people to block. Mm-hmm, I don't know yeah. why the light bulb doesn't go off in the second quarter to send those guys out, and then you have only a four man rush. You don't have to worry about blocking five. Yeah, but it's like, Mike Shula, so yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. this is where you you uh, you spread them out. You know, maybe go like five wide, like empty backfield. And get everybody right. out in pass patterns, and then that opens the field for if, if there are unblocked defenders, Cam can now run. But we can't Cam- do that because the one of the top three receivers wasn't hurt, so the fifth <laughs> guy couldn't play. So so we have Cam. Cam had six <laughs> carries that game, which was one more than Mike Tolbert, who for some reason consistently got carries while he was here and never did anything with them. Hey, now, yeah. those third and ones don't fail on their own. It is, he had five years here. <laughs> 3.4, 3.6, 2.1, 4.1, 3.3 yards per carry. That's a fullback right there. Yes, that's exactly what he was, but we thought he was a running back. <laughs> He's our third down, like, scat back, but he weighs 250 pounds. And didn't we have Fozzie Whitaker at that time, or was he hurt? No, we had Fozzie. Was, he, had, he also had four carries in that game. Yeah. So why didn't we just go to Fozzie instead of Tolbert? <laughs> because Mike Tolbert's because big. Because veteran, veteran ability, my friend. Mike Tolbert's that's big, a but he like... That's a very see? depressing question to be asking about. It. <laughs> why we didn't uh, give the ball to Fozzie instead of Mike <laughs> Tolbert? Yeah, I know. It's How did that team go 15-1? Panthers fan. I mean, Jonathan Stewart got hurt predictably. I mean, and, we still had Cameron Artis Payne. Yeah, that would have been a good time to get a look at Cameron Artis Payne. Could have gotten another look at him. They didn't have enough by then. So that's XFL league leading rusher Cameron Artis Payne. <laughs> or, I fucking hate Ron Rivera. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, this is this is what I was talking about at the beginning <laughs> of the show, where watching Panthers games. Now, like knowing that Ron Rivera is gone, and I don't have to cling to any sort of like you know, justification for the bad decisions. And watching him now is like, wow, my God, we dealt with that for so long. It was so bad. It was so much worse watching it now than I realized it was at the time. Yeah, I gave <laughs> exactly. Up. I think Which in is- like October two thousand eleven. October 2011. Yeah, like the first, the the second month. It was, I think it was a game against the Saints, an early season game where at one point, I think maybe I'm uh, remembering this wrong, but he called a timeout at the end of the half and gave the Saints time to kick a field goal. Like otherwise, (laughs) they wouldn't have got the field goal off. And they ended up winning the game by three points. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And his his rationale was that they would have got a 12 yard penalty. Well, guess what? Even if you get a 12-man on the field penalty, well, guess what? Even if there are 12 men, the, the clock stops anyway. Like, there's no point of taking the timeout. <laughs> so I was done with him then. The time management. It was a long 
It was, it was a long great. nine years for me. <laughs> so do you feel good about Matt Rule? Uh, I feel better than I did when he was first hired because there was like those quotes about him saying like when we run X amount of times, we win, we have this record, which is obviously something you don't really want to hear because it doesn't make sense. But yeah, the whole what correlation causation then, thing. Yeah. Right. Since then, I've, I, I've liked what he said. I didn't like how they handled the Cam Newton situation, obviously, but I don't think that was all him. Uh, I mean, he's won everywhere he's been. I don't know about his, I don't know about Phil Snow. I don't know what to expect out of him because he's not going to play the same defense we saw at Baylor. That was a big 12 defense. They, they rush three every down basically. So I don't think we're going to see a lot of that. You don't know that. I don't know what to expect. You don't know that. They might rush three every down. (laughs) I kind of hope they do just to see what happens. (laughs) I mean, I know what'll happen, but I want to see it. <laughs> it helped Baylor win games in the Big Twelve, so I, you know, you never know. But yeah, I'll wait and wait until probably October until I give up on him too. <laughs> Let's see if he can make it to, to November. So, um, and then he'll beat Ron Rivera. I I pulled up the the play by play from that game you're talking about. Mm-hmm. The Saints had third and twenty, and Drew Brees completed an, a twelve yard pass. In inbounds, and I don't think they had any timeouts. Um, and Carolina called a timeout with two seconds left. With eighteen seconds left, the Saints have no timeouts, and they're going to kick a forty-five yard field goal, forty-six yard field goal. And Carolina calls a timeout so that they can settle down and like get everybody like you know organized so they can kick the field goal. And how much did they lose by in that game? It was three, yeah, thirty to twenty-seven. <laughs> nice. <laughs> was, there was another thing. There was another thing at the end of the game. I remember the 2011 season vividly. At the end of the <laughs> game, I think Drew Brees was like driving the team down, and they were they were like on the 20 yard line already. And there was like a minute and 30 left, maybe two minutes left. And Ron Rivera did not use any of his timeouts, even though you know the Saints are going to score. It's Drew Brees, and mm-hmm. they're not going to run out of time if they're if you're on the 20 yard line with two minutes left. You have more than enough time. Like use your timeouts, save enough time to make a comeback. He didn't do that, and the Saints ended up winning. At the, I don't even think the Panthers really had time to launch a comeback. It's just a frustrating game all around, and I gave <laughs> up on Ron Rivera, and I've never re- forgiven him since then. Even fifteen and one, I didn't forgive him. <laughs> you said you said that was that same game, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so they uh, they're 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 in the red zone with they get into the red zone with basically a little more than two minutes left in the game, and they end up they take it all the way down to fifty seconds before they score. Carolina doesn't get a chance to they they stall out at midfield. Um the other thing about Did that, Carolina use any timeout? While the Saints had the ball? Yeah, like in the no. last hmm. <laughs> timeout number this one is... was called by the Panthers with forty two seconds left in the game when they had the ball. Ugh, this team <laughs> haunts me. <laughs> it, it's it's the it does for all of us. Um, the other thing that he did a lot, um, I like how this, how the Panthers failed Cam Newton has turned into what Ron Rivera did wrong as the coach of the Panthers. Um, <laughs> could the answer to how did the Panthers fail Cam Newton just be Ron Rivera? It, it's that's a little more nuanced thing. than that, but yeah, yeah. I'm interested it, in because uh, Stephen has said several times he thinks it's more the front office than it was Ron. Yeah, so I'm I'm interested in, and I think John is what he's going for is 
Stephen, why is it more the front office than Ron? I mean, a lot of it was what happened before Cam Newton even got there with what Marty Herney did with the cap in 2010 when he was trying to keep together, I think, like a seven and nine team and he <laughs> re-signed two running backs. And then Dave Gettleman never, I mean, to Dave Gettleman's credit, they didn't really have cap space when he came aboard. And But he never surrounded him with talent either. Like, the crazy thing is we spent all this time talking about Ron Rivera when Marty Herney and Dave Gettleman are arguably two of the worst GMs of the last decade. Or they're at least the most criticized GMs of the last decade. That's how poorly they Cam Newton was handled, that Ron Rivera, a coach that, I mean, he ended up winning two Coach of the Year awards, was probably the worst aspect of his career in Carolina when you have those two GMs lurking in the background. Yeah. Who do you, all right, who's worse, Dave Gettleman or Marty Herney? Or how about this, out of the three, rank them, power rankings. Marty Herney one, Marty Herney two, Dave Gettleman. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to, Marty Herney, no, Marty Herney one drafted Cam Newton and Luke Keekley. So I'm going to put him third. I'll put Gettleman in second, and I'll, I think Marty Herney two is the worst so far. You think he's been the worst so far? Wow. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what like he's. What has he done better than he did his first time? Around? I think he's been a little better about the Christian McCaffrey contract is a million times better than the D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan <laughs> Stewart contracts were, even with the relative cap rise. I, yeah, he, definitely. It's definitely a better investment, but we have more information now that tells us not to overpay running backs or pay running backs. Like at least in 2010, it wasn't like as frowned upon as it was now. And there wasn't all this evidence out there showing you that running backs aren't really worth paying. Now you can argue that Christian McCaffrey is a different type of running back. But yeah, I, I, I think I will spare you that argument because I know you know it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's my, my justification for it is he's not just a running back. Like I would be very upset if he paid Derrick Henry that deal, for example. He's also overpaid for a slot receiver. I'll say that. So. <laughs> but he's both. Yeah, you got to combine it. That's true, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I mean, one. you're not going to convince me that it was a good signing, so. It's buy one, get uh, one. I'm stubborn <laughs> in that regard. It'll, so. it'll depend on his utilization, really, to uh, accurately gauge whether the contract was worth it, in my opinion, because if he's still running the ball, like, up there with the top running backs in the league and running it up the middle, then no, it's not worth it. But if he's you know, 50-50 catching the ball, running the ball, then maybe you could justify it. But really, it really depends on his production and how they use him, which is entirely on Matt Rule to prove to us that it was worth signing him at this point. Well, my my biggest problem with the contract was I didn't think they needed to sign it when they did. They still had years of leverage that they could have used. Oh, and usually that's smart absolutely teams, true. <clears throat> smart teams at least explore those options. They don't just give in to the running back. Like the last <laughs> time this happened was Todd Gurley. They signed him two years before they needed to sign him, and he was he's had an arthritic knee before his contract even started. The new contract even kicked in. That's fair. I'll give that to you. So I think I think Marty Herney two has been a little better than one. Just but I think here's what I think is like the big indicator of how savvy your front office is um the panthers don't trade down they only trade up and i think that's a sign of a not smart front office 
just like yeah, that simple. Exactly right. The only like, reason I'm saying Marty that I'm, I'm putting Marty one last is just because he drafted Cam Newton and Luke Keekley. Like if it wasn't, yeah. and Cam Newton was a no brainer pick, and I, and Luke Keekley was a no brainer pick too. So maybe yeah. I maybe I'm ranking him too low, but that's the only reason I, I have him last. If if you take those two moves out, I would put him first. Oh yeah, he was the, the, the worst of the three. <laughs> um, but yeah, like with Dave Gettleman, Dave Gettleman just was like the hubris involved with the whole like I know who my guys are, so I'm going to go get them. Um, not you know not playing the game, but the draft is increase your chances of getting good hits by getting more chances. Right. But the fact that we're like. Every fan base wants their team to trade back, right? Because it means more picks, more chances for hits. So you need a team that's dumb enough to give up assets to not really improve their odds of getting a good player. And that's always the Panthers. <laughs> <laughs> like Matt Rule even. That goes like, back to the Everett Brown pick. Yeah. Well, and yeah, Marty uh-huh. Herney was real bad at it. And like with Everett Brown and Armani Edwards and, and that. And then Dave Gettleman was just as bad. And then Marty Herney's been a little like this version's been a little less bad, but they still did it to get Greg Little. And apparently Matt Rule wanted to trade down. So that's brownie points for Matt Rule, but Marty Herney's like, no, we Derek Brown's better than multiple first round picks. Right. For a defensive I've used this tackle. analogy before. <laughs> Don't remind me about that. I've used this <laughs> analogy before. It's like this offseason has just been so disjointed between the coaching staff and the front office. It's like from the outside looking in, it's like like uh, one Netflix account, but two people have ac- access to it. And there's like <laughs> World War One documentaries on it, but there's also like uh, Love is Blind and like reality shows on it. It just doesn't make any sense in conjunction. I, I don't know what the team is, the front office is doing, is doing this off season. I'm interested to see how it goes. Hopefully it ends up with uh, uh, the Panthers drafting Trevor Lawrence next spring. <laughs> I, I am curious because, yeah. I don't it, think that's going to happen. I, think, I don't think we're going to be that bad. I think we're going to be too good to get Trevor Lawrence. I've started to come around to thinking the Panthers will be pretty bad. They're going to be bad. I'm not saying they're going to be good. I just don't think they're going to be like 1-15, 2-14 2-14-14-bad. I mean, I think with Teddy Bridgewater and Joe Brady, they could win five games. And I don't think five wins is going to be bad enough to get Trevor Lawrence. Unless they play like it just depends on who the other teams that are bad are. Like the Dolphins went five and eleven and got to a what fourth fourth because Fifth the two teams, yeah, because the teams in front of them had quarterbacks. So it just depends on who's worse. But everybody, every team always looks like they improved every off season, pretty right. much. And like kind of with the more time that's passed and seeing how much other teams like perceivably improved as I see where it's like, uh, you know, I could definitely see the Panthers going like four and 12. Yeah. I mean, like, I we're, think... we're clearly the worst team in the, in the NFC South. Uh, yes. I don't think that's even debatable. I think there'll be an enjoyable four and 12 as much as it's possible. I think there's, I mean, we talked about it. There's a, it's, there's a win-win. They're bad. There's hope for draft picks. If they, if they're good, it's just a pleasant surprise. But the only other team that I feel like, the other teams that I feel like are in competition with the Panthers going into the season are Jacksonville and Washington. Yeah, I'd agree with I that. Really, I, feel- yeah, I think that week 15 game against Washington is going to be the Trevor Lawrence bowl. <laughs> what were you going to say, Steve? I would, I would not mind ending up with Justin Fields, by the way. I think he plays a lot like Cam, so I, I wouldn't mind them getting him. But 
the reason why I'm more skeptical about them is I like the Joe Brady hire, but I think he still has a lot to prove. He spent one year as an offensive coordinator. He wasn't even really an offensive coordinator. He's the passing game coordinator. And apparently LSU became the best team at stealing signals last year in the country. And that's part of the reason why they were so good on offense. The other part is they had like eight NFL pros on the team. So he's going to go from having just a ridiculous talent advantage to not having that anymore. And I think well, we the combination of NFL pros on our roster too. <laughs> that's, that's true. We have the more NFL pros than LSU. <laughs> well, the combination of a bad – the bad, the combination of a bad defense, and I think, do we all agree that the Panthers' defense is going to be bad? Yes, most likely. Yeah, and and Teddy Bridgewater, conservative quarterback, I don't think that's a nice, a good, a good match. So I could nah, see them man. being down in a lot of games, and Bridgewater not forcing the issue, which he should be doing. Just you wait, PJ Peach Walker is going to come out and light the league <laughs> on fire after he doesn't make the team. Um, hey, he's going to make the team, John. He's not going to make the team. Um, I want to hear about Mr. I'm sign- so sure the Panthers are going to draft a quarterback over here. PJ Walker's not going to make the team. Yeah, you get out of here. I want to hear this science stealing thing. I never heard that before. Yeah, so I mean, I got this from this is like sources, but it's not like sources in the know, but they heard it from like high school coaches who are in this like, you know, high school talk with college coaches a lot because there's yeah. the recruiting pipeline. So apparently like that's a big deal in college football. Like I think Bruce Feldman from the Athletic wrote an article about how how big it's become because college defenses don't use the communication devices; they use signals. So if yeah. you get good at stealing signals, that's a massive advantage. Apparently, LSU was the best, in, not only in the SEC but in the nation. But so much so that a lot of SEC coaches started lobbying for helmet to headset to helmet because of LSU specifically. I didn't see. I never heard that. And it's not anything legal, right? Illegal, right? They just got good at deciphering. No, everyone does it. So yeah, they were just they, they just got very good at it. I think that just makes. I don't even know who was calling, really calling plays every down, but it just made the offense look even better than it was. And obviously, they have all these pros good regardless. I saw something. It was like Joe Brady called pass play. Like, like I don't know. It was it was split between like he was like. And whoever the other guy was called the between the twenties and run plays, or something yeah, like so that. It was such a weird. I don't know. College coaches are so weird. Like <laughs> they don't have like regular setups. It's like yeah. passing game coordinator, three step passing game coordinator. <laughs> this is and third, it was like third downs, like third downs, red zone, and pass plays. Joe, that's your call. <laughs> First and second down, other guy, that's your call. But if we're inside our own you ten, get- this is the third guy. That's his, that's when he gets involved. You can get second and fours, yeah. not second and threes or second and fives, only second and four. Second and four, that's, yeah, because that's your down to be creative. <laughs> so that's I, I, that's an interesting little nugget that, um, yes, that's that's also an adjustment because you're not going to be able to steal signs getting relayed into helmet, or to linebacker helmets. But, That'd like, everything else suggests that Brady's a good coach. Like, that oh, offense yeah, yeah. was really well designed, and they, they, he fit that offense to uh, Joe Burrow's skill set. So that's encouraging. That's what all you want to see out of a coach is creative play designs and does he adjust to his talent. And Joe Brady checked both of those boxes last year. Yeah, because that's Andy's the only thing fam- you can control. <clears throat> and he's got familiarity familiarity with Teddy Throwsabelt as well. So <laughs> <laughs> This is true. 
I don't know if we've talked about it on the show, and I know it's about time to wrap it up. Uh, have we talked about the stere- how stereotypical the Panthers coaching staff is? No, we, uh, haven't. we haven't. Like Matt Rule, the head coach, is this like motivator. He talks like a pastor, you know, real preachy, like, talk, you know, brings things together. The defensive coordinator is this older guy who's real rugged and he's got this like tough guy mentality. And then the offensive coordinator is this like young, like, you know, young whiz bang who wears glasses and looks like a nerd. So you're saying our 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 uh, coaching staff is a bunch of guys from The Walking Dead? Is that what you're getting at? I don't know anything about The Walking Dead. <laughs> oh so if, if this coaching staff is stereotypical, if this coaching that The Walking Dead was should have been the nickname for the coaching staff last year, actually. But uh, <laughs> if if this coaching staff is stereotypical, what was what was the pr- previous coaching staff? But. <laughs> I think in a Even different way, it was staff was like an episode of like Hogan's Heroes or <laughs> some other show from the seventies. It was what you would expect from the classic, like run the football, play defense type mindset. And I'm not yeah, saying time you shouldn't of play defense and you win the game. Yeah, the classic like 1985. The 1985 coaching games. staff stereotype, while the 2020, while the 2020 Panthers are like the 2020 coaching staff stereotype. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a good call because you have a linebacker at head coach. That makes sense. Like no one's hiring linebackers to be head coaches anymore. I think it's no. like one. I would hire Luke Keekly. That's one. about it. I, <laughs> I'd still be scared. He was the because, head coach. Yeah, but I think that's what I was talking about. Like when you, these like defensive minded guys, there's is a very like brute force approach to football, which is getting kind of phased out or outpaced by more analytical approaches to football, which tend to Nerds. be offensive minded people and younger it's people. A weird, it's just a weird thing because defensive guys like to like say, we're going to be tough. We're going to establish the run and run down people's throats. And then mm-hmm. it comes and then fourth and one happens and they're like, Oh, punt, punt the ball. <laughs> I'm scared. Yeah. They get, they get... <laughs> yeah, I know. And that's, that's my what dad we... can no longer beat up your dad. Hmm. That's yeah. That's what we dealt with for nine years. <laughs> yeah. Fucking Ron Rivera. Damn it. <laughs> uh, Marty Herney is the only thing left. And I've been okay with Marty Herney 2.0, but I, there are there are concerns, and I think it might be a situation to where I'm just uh, blind, I like a, shielding myself from the negatives because he's still here, like I did with Ron Rivera for so long. I mean, that yeah, is what you do I mean, as a it's fan. Funny. Yeah, I mean, that's what you have to do. And it's funny how he just like kind of stuck around. Like, was it ever like formally announced that he was the GM, or did he just outlast everyone else? And he <laughs> he just, just like, I guess, he, just give it to him. Yeah, he just kind of like he was the interim GM, and then after a while, he just kept. He just kind of like, I'm just going to call myself the GM for short, but I'm still the interim GM. <laughs> and then he just stopped qualifying, and he's just the GM now. They couldn't like, even sure you is he even on the payroll? Like, is he even getting checks? Or <laughs> he just just showing up and just He's just back? showing up like office space. They couldn't yeah. interview people for like promotions because he's the GM. So they had to interview them for non-GM roles. I know that Matt Rule said something about, well, not even Matt Rule. I think it was David Tepper, but he said something about having Marty Herney take more of a backseat role and moving somebody else into like 
be more active as far as like scouting and whatnot goes. We, but we that keep hiring come to front fruition. office people. Like, well, we keep hiring people that like lessen his role. Like, we just hired that guy from the Eagles to be like our pro scout. Yeah, the director of pro scouting or whatever. Yeah. So it's like he's being gradually like every aspect of his job is being replaced by somebody he's, else. Yeah, he's done everything but fire Marty Herney or let him go. Because Marty Herney just won't leave. It's <laughs> odd. Oh fucking Marty Herney. Maybe maybe Tepper thinks that Marty Herney is the uh the Jerry Richardson statue he's not allowed to get rid of. <laughs> That's probably part of the contract. Is like you could never fire Marty Herney. He's got to work for you in some capacity. <laughs> He's going to become like a figurehead, like a, like a monarch, where every, everybody else in the biz, in the building will have more power than him. But he has like the highest title. And I'm He's fine with that. Assistant I'm, to the team president. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with that. You can call him Emperor God, whatever you want, as long as he's not in charge. <laughs> Just continue to pay him the GM salary, but not have him do GM stuff. Sounds like a great business. Exactly. I mean, he's got money to burn, so let him burn it. <laughs> so, uh, I think that about wraps it up. I it think does. so. Yeah. Thanks Thanks for coming, Stephen. Yes, yeah, Stephen. Is there anything that, that you didn't get a chance to talk about? Uh no, not that I can think of. Like, I got I hit on the uh, the Saints 2011 game. That's the one I really wanted to bring up. <laughs> it's too, it's been nine years and you're still like that. It's under discussed on Panthers Twitter, and I, we need to discuss it. <laughs> I'll make sure to uh, we'll, we'll make sure to plug that. We're gonna get it out there for you. Put um, it in bold. That's yeah. all I care about. Steven, let, why don't you let us know what you have going on? on your side of Twitter, what in your world with USA today and for the win and whatnot. Uh, we just started a new NFL podcast. It's called the counter. Uh, I think it's been pretty good so far. We're still finding our footing. The logo is really good. That's what I'm proud about. <laughs> the logo. And everybody knows so at least you check can't out have the a logo. good podcast without a good logo. The most important part, part of right. your audio podcast. That's right. The discussion sucks, but the logo is great. <laughs> I do like the I do like the logo. Yeah, that is nice. <laughs> It's a count run play. That's yeah. Now I have to go see it. Hold on just a minute. (laughs) (laughs) And we're still here now. Got a little, got the little C going, going on for the counter block under the T. And then you got the O going out for the, for the pull (laughs) block. A little verbal description of a logo for your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's actually what the podcast is it's just us describing <laughs> NFL logos it is talking about plays but you know, there's no visual you're just talking about the concept did you be quiet I kicked my cat out of my room for the podcast so you hear that yeah you hear that high pitched whining it sounds like a little yappy dog it's the it's the 80 pound German shepherd named Keekly Jesus so, yeah that's what he does he gets real mouthy when we're on here he gets mouthy all the time. And that's why you burned yourself with wax on Sunday. How'd you know about that? <laughs> Brad, did you... Did I what? 
Did you find did you find the logo? <laughs> yeah, great. Okay. Yeah, he, he said that while we were talking. Oh, okay, yeah. well, I missed that. Um, well, anyway, from all of us here at the Keep Sounding Podcast, this is Brian, joined by Brad and John, as always. And again, special thanks to Steve for joining us. Thanks for talking about Cam Newton and bringing up some really sad portions of our sports lives that we loved remembering. As always, stay tuned for what's next and stay safe, stay healthy. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. We'll be in touch. They need to start playing football so we can stop talking about sad memories. Yeah. See you. Later. We can make new sad memories. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs>